The World Cup so far has been characterised by late drama, sparkling interplay and brilliant goals. So of course the Australia game was scrappy with two penalties and an own goal that decided it. Nevertheless, we've gotten together again to bring you another episode of Vodka, Borscht and Burt, although this week the acronym VB&B should probably stand for VAR, Broadcasters and Buffering. I'm your host of this circus, Rudy Etzel. I'm joined by Andrew Clark from Destruction in the Box. How you going, Rudy? Buds from For Vuck's Sake. Kagdala. Spasibo. We don't go for that shit here at Destruction in the Box. <laughs> <laughs> Can you translate? <laughs> uh, that was Russian for uh, how are you? Thank you. I'm good. Oh, well, I am also good. <laughs> and Chris Alloy, also from Destruction in the Box. And Australia. I just say g'day, but uh, now I feel really bad about it. No, I'm, I'm going to bring a new uh, Russian term every week, so no, there's no. probably only one more. Yeah, I, I should clarify. We actually are extremely for that shit here at Destruction in the Box. I just didn't really know how to react to it. <laughs> Typical Australian. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Push back on something yeah. you don't understand yeah. straight away. What's this bloody foreign talk, mate? It's, it smells funny in there. Yeah. No, is, it doesn't. Yeah. This is Australia, you dog. <laughs> I'll give it the old Matt Simon the old treatment. Matty S. Yeah. I will look forward to that at the Asian Cup in a few years' time. Yeah, can't <laughs> wait. Um, we're starting with a new segment we're calling uh, Gopniks and Galazzos. Um, Buds, would you be so kind as to once again provide interpreter and explain to the good people what a Gopnik is? Uh, Gopnik is a Russian term for a drinking, smoking, low-level working-class citizen that lives in the old Soviet blocks of flats. Lots of people moved into these flats that were built and owned by the companies that they worked for in the uh, Industrial Revolution, and mass amounts of populations moved into the flats for the cheap living, and if we remember our vodka chat last week, you could pay half your rent for uh, a bottle of vodka in some parts, and this attracted a new breed into the cities, a crowd that didn't want to work, just wanted to indulge in the social activities of drinking vodka, eating semechki, and yelling, Sikoblip, and dancing to hard bass. <laughs> Australia has bogans and lads. England has chavs, Scotland has neds. <laughs> nice. I yeah. love it. They sound like my people, to be honest. They sound like a, b- a bit of vodka our, and borscht. Yeah, uh, include us in that. That's um, yeah. it's our people. Yeah. So, yeah, we're all Gopniks here. Uh, nevertheless, the Galazzos are good and the Gopniks are bad. We're going to start <laughs> with our round of Galazzos. Mine, uh, mine's Iceland. Now, they're tiny. Like, they're so small, the country of Iceland, that the... FFA wouldn't even try and put an A-League team there. They wouldn't. Like, it's too small for A-League expansion. Yet here they are at the World Cup holding out Argentina with Lionel Messi and all. Either that or the FFA would put them in as an expansion team then complain when they're not hitting their metrics. Well, yeah, <laughs> that too. But um, they put on a remarkable performance. So compact and tight. And, I mean... They followed on from their remarkable performance at the Euros. Yeah. They've, yeah. Just, they've just continued along their way and... um. It's great to watch, and I love I love yeah. that team, and I love the the support that apparently what ten percent or fifteen percent of the populations in mm. Russia. I also love that the the coach and he's isn't he a dentist and he's yeah. had to ask for time off. The, the, yeah, a bunch <laughs> of them did. Uh, if you needed a root canal, you'd be buggered. You'd be yeah, yeah. praying he's for the, the only dentist, There's only in... dentist in Iceland <laughs> in Reykjavik. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Um, Great story. But, I mean, Argentina didn't really make it hard for them. It was, it was just basically three blokes stood at Messi and then just took the ball off him when they could. Did miss a pen, though, Messi. Yeah. Um, Clarky, what's your galazzo for the first uh, few days of the World Cup? Well, this one could also be a Gopnik, considering that it's a, it's around centred around like excessive drinking, but the Australians have successfully drank Kazan out of beer after their first game of the World Cup. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> That's so, as Aussie as it gets. And I've, I've got a quote from um, a gentleman called uh, Evgeny. From, um, he's a bartender Evgeny. at the, at the uh, Goudini Bar on Bowman Street. He goes, Australian guys are like Russians. We are the same because we are drinking too much. <laughs> <laughs> in the morning, we did not have any beer in the pub. All the beer was drunk, Evgeny said. It was so busy. It was so fun because all the Australian people came into our pub and drank all night. I don't know exactly how many glasses of beer I pulled last night, but I think it was one million. <laughs> I that, think it was one million. That is that is, that is so Australian that we uh, we go we go somewhere, we lose, 
and we drink like we've just won the tournament. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And some other accounts of Russians, um, they're very complimentary. They, they're all like, oh, we love Australians. They're always smiling and laughing. It's because they're fucking smashed. It's, 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 <laughs> they are hammered. you've poured them one million beers, Yevgeny. Fads, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's your galazzo for the uh, first few days? Uh, Mexico. Oh, yes. yes. Mexico. Uh, look, the way they went about uh, making the reigning champions Germany an unorganized mess. Uh, the energy they played with and their incredible fans who uh, in Mexico City caused a seismic event when the goal went in. Yeah. It was amazing, amazing. Uh, I very much enjoyed the whole spectacle last night. Uh, I did what I was one of the fortunate ones whose stream ended up coming back on last night. So I watched it on the tablet upstairs. And even with the shitty speakers in there, you could just hear the Mexican fans going absolutely ballistic all game. So uh, Mexico, a big golazo for me. Hell yeah. Chris, what have you got? Um... Just a little galazzo. Um, <clears throat> just, uh, we won't cover the game, obviously, now. We'll have a chat later, but I think maybe deep into uh, injury time or maybe 89th minute of Saturday night's affair, Australia versus uh, France, uh, young Daniel Arzani just managed a little back heel flick. Did you see to the, uh, I think it was to Tommy Urich? Yeah. It was uh, classy. And can you make that noise? Yeah. yeah. That was, <laughs> that's a, it was just a little ray of sun. I just thought that was. In, in, through my drunken stoned haze, like I was very yeah. excited by that. At you the were, time. We embraced. Yeah, yeah. We just, you, you, I may have touched you were pretty, thigh. You were pretty loud about it at the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and then again, the fifteen minutes later, thirty minutes. Later. <laughs> <laughs> so that was um, that was awesome. Mm. I love him. Yes, decent little cocksure ethnic manoeuvre he pulled out of. It was good. Yeah, it was very very good. Um, we'll move on to the Galazzos again. I'm starting. I've got Pepe from uh, Gopnik. From, yeah, sorry, the Gopniks. Yeah. You're right. So. We'll move on to the Gopniks. <laughs> it's very important to delineate. I'm going with Pepe um, in that cracking Spain-Portugal game. For Diego Costa's first goal, he's gotten the header and then gone down just assuming he was going to get a foul, like clutching his head Vintage. theatrically. Costa just walks off and scores the goal. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Pepe's lying on the deck not helping his teammates I out. don't reckon it's the first time Pepe's been lying on the ground trying to milk a free and the team's <laughs> just walked around him and gone, that's fine, yeah. we'll score without you. <laughs> like, yeah. And then the referee and the VAR just looked at it and went, oh, it's Pepe. Yeah. It's yeah. Pepe. Yeah. Well, they probably didn't even look at it. He's a, oh, he's yeah. a grub, <laughs> in my opinion. It was grubby stuff. And it was, I mean, Diego Costa, you know, you know what you're getting with him. Uh, you know that he, he's going to niggle you and stuff. You can't just... You know it's going to be a physical affair. Like, mm. you're probably going to get bumped and hit and kicked mm. and... Jostled. Yeah. Mm. You've got to be ready for that. You've got to be better than that. Indeed. Clark, you give us your Gopnik. Oh, well, this is a very broad one, but I'm going to narrow it down very quickly. I'm giving it to FIFA <laughs> for, for selling the award... The, the Man of the Match award rights to Budweiser. <laughs> Now there is, I think there's something like six teams in in uh, the World Cup that are a majority Muslim population. There's Egypt, there's Iran, Morocco, Saudi Arabia, Senegal, and Tunisia, with I think about half the population of Nigeria actually being Muslim. So they've they've made the Man of the Match trophy into this big red sort of mug mm. slash vase, but it's got the big Budweiser logo on it. Now, um. Egyptian goalkeeper Mohamed uh, El Shawani won man of the match in their um, 1-0 defeat to uh, Uruguay. Uruguay. Um, and basically, because of his beliefs, he has refused to take possession of the trophy. Now, um, it's been said that there's no hard or fast rules as to it's up to the player's discretion, but it just seems really uh, short-sighted. Mm, um, just give blind, him a check. Just like, oh, we'll take money for that. Not even considering that six or seven teams of this World Cup... Mm. A Muslim, it's just a, just like, we'll take this money. It doesn't mm. matter. It's just leave the real poor taste in my mouth. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Mm. Um, Buds, your Gopnik, please. French left back Lucas Hernandez, oh. who yesterday publicly what? admitted to exaggerating his fouls to buy his team some time. He's quoted as saying, you saw it yesterday. It's true that there were some moments where it was a foul and I amplified it a bit. That's part of the show, part of the game. It's true. Sometimes I exaggerate it, but it's part of my character. Well, you're a like, dog. Don't come to Australia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would be my advice. <laughs> He's not welcome in the green wedge. Yeah, no, and Buds, I'll make sure not. of it. Yeah. Please, yeah. stay out, you gobnick. <laughs> it, uh, it was very theatrical, wasn't he? I did like the... Um, 
hearty booze he copped every time he went on the ball. It after was that. sensational. And we did say last week, or I especially said last week on this show, that I want us to go out there and kick him mm. and play 80s, 90s style Australian football and just kick the shit out of him. I don't think we needed to do it. We didn't really do it that much. No. We'll get onto that later. But will. there was some part of our game was very physical, but that was just, that was weak. Mm. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't. Um, I was hoping for more kicking. Um, we will get to that in the, the chat, though. Chriso, your Gopnik, please. My Gopnik. Um, well, world superstar and washed-up Coke Gopnik, Diego Maradona, has uh, <laughs> denied making a racist gesture at a group of South Korea fans <laughs> after oh, Argentina's oh, no. game. Do you guys see this? Okay, if you haven't seen this, um, apparently um, a group of fans from South Korea saw Maradona and, and waved at him. Um, and then he showed his gratitude um, by pulling at the corner of his oh, eyes. No, I was, gonna, I was just oh, going to say, he no. didn't do the eye thing, did he? he? And oh. and he claims the incident has been blown out of proportion. He was actually showing his gratitude um, for, to the fans. And he wrote on Facebook, I understand better than anyone that in the World Cup, people are looking for news everywhere. But I want to be clear that th- with this today in the stadium, he was in the stadium <laughs> among so many demonstrations of affection from people. I was struck by a group of people around a fan who filmed us, an Asian boy wearing an Argentina T-shirt. I, from afar, tried to tell them how nice it seemed to me that even Asians cheer for us. And that's all, guys. Come on. Uh, oh, that God. Uh, so oh. just maybe rail up another one and, and <laughs> reconsider a new uh, statement tomorrow, Diego. Yeah. Oh, dear. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. Now, at this stage of the Galatsos and Gopniks section, you guys might be wondering, when are they going to get off to sports? Don't worry. That's our main Gopnik of the week. And um, I think it's only fair to hand the floor to Clarky on this one because he's been the most vocal out of us. Yeah, if anyone's seen my Twitter feed, they, yeah, they, I blocked they, you. Yeah, yeah that, muted. That's fine. They've they've seemingly ignored me as well. But you know, <laughs> I've cancelled my subscription now, and I've I've found other ways to broadcast it. It's I, just I, simply not good enough. Like this this organisation has had plenty of time to make sure that this runs smoothly, and it's a massive event. Look, you know, there's a lot of pressure, and but. The fact that they've pretty much sort of set up this this infrastructure and this this streaming platform and gone, oh, we'll cater for X amount, and they've been so far wrong with the amount of demand that the system just can't handle it, and it just seems like such a massive oversight. Like you've had a year a year of English Premier League to almost as a proof of concept to iron out bugs and all that sort of stuff, and even that was plagued with problems and seemingly none of these have been fixed. No one's talking about the quality of production what they're putting out there, the delivery sucks. It sucks. I've got a hundred megabit down internet connection and, you know, PC hardware that was bought this year and it struggles to get quality of picture. It's mm. just not good enough. Yeah. It's, um, <clears throat> it, it was, was, it, uh, the, the head, the CEO was said that he, we promised it would be fixed for last night's games and it was probably the worst it's been. Um, for the Costa Rica Serbia match, and it was just, um, and at the same time they're leaking stories to um, the AFR, the Australian Financial Review, about how they're looking to get the Champions League's rights and the Serie A rights and the La Liga rights. Like sense of timing, guys. This is like embarrassing for you. How how are they ever going to be taken seriously as a sports board broadcaster ever again? Like this has been incredibly damaging to the Optus Sport brand for one thing. It's in tatters. It's no, that's you know, it's nothing now. It's incredibly damaging to the sport of football in this country. This is this is when we sh- showcase the best footballers. So it's a World Cup. Yeah. It happens once every four years. There's going to be some people that are look watching this World Cup who may not be around for the next fucking World Cup, and they can't even watch it properly. Yeah. It's horseshit. It's, it's also damaging for the concept of streaming in this nation. Imagine, like, my mum's not a football fan, so I didn't have to go through it. Go through this, but I imagine there are a lot of people around our age. You know, you're thirty-ish plus age brackets, who have had to teach their parents the concept of streaming for this World Cup. Trust me, guys. You know, it's. I know it's tough to get your head around, but we'll just. when the World Cup starts, you'll just be able to, you know, Chromecast your TV or whatever. Then it doesn't work. They're calling him going, why isn't it working? I don't know. It's Optus's fault. A whole generation of people now are close to the idea of streaming as a concept, ever. I um, recently became, like, I signed up, like, I'll put it this way. My internet at my house sucks. Our ADSL sucked. <clears throat> so I got in early a couple of months ago and thought uh, in 
cahoots with my wife. She always has the great ideas. Uh, we we're going to bin our ADSL and then we we're going to get Optus SIM only, uh, SIM only uh, package. So yep. mobile broadband, 100 gig a month that's just meant for tablets. So then we went to Kogan and we got a 4G router. So you could just stick the SIM in. So basically we're getting 4G because we're only getting like 2 megabytes a second on our ADSL. And then we got up to 30 with this. So we thought, done, Optus network. And when I just, you know, Wi-Fi hook up my tablet or phone, then Chromecast to the TV, it's going to be fine. Um, that hasn't worked so smoothly with it. The quality of picture that I've had for the first three days of the tournament was really good. Saturday night was great until the Croatia-Nigeria game. And then last night it shut itself and even people that have uh, been immune to all the dropouts with the fetch boxes because it seems like this whole thing is engineered for people to go out and buy fetch. That seems to be their business model. Fetch ended up shitting the bed as well. So I got on the phone, on, I got on the online chat this morning to the Optus team, and I'm telling you, the girl was pushing me to the point where she was hoping that I was going to go away and she was playing dumb. And all I wanted was it in writing, in words from her, that they will refund me for the data that I've incurred already. Now, I told her, thank you for that, and I'm sure there's someone about, way above you in this company that's uh, underestimated the size of the traffic that you're going to get. And her words were, we expected the volume to be high, but didn't expect it to be almost triple than what we have thought of. That caught, caused a little hiccup with the service. A little fuck. Now. A third. A third. That is deplorable. A third. It's the World Cup. Yep. And it's, and it's the World Cup on, so night one is just... You know, most people would have watched it on SBS, but then night two, night three, into night four. And it crashed at 10 p.m. on a Sunday for Costa Rica, Serbia. It's nowhere near going to get fucking that low. Like, there's going to be more. And the further the tournament progresses, it is going to be absolutely insane, the traffic. Well, yeah. a team like England hasn't even played in the tournament yet. And, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of English expats here and all that. And people that just interested in the English football team because of the Premier League and, and all, all that. And all their favourite players every Can other you, week. It's like, if it crashes for, you know, a Serbian game, you know, there's a lot of Serbian population here. But think about the real big ticket games. If it's struggling like that on smaller games, what about the big ticket games? It's just outrageous. Like, who plans this sort of shit? With something like the World Cup, you look at it and go... What's our average concurrent users going to be? What do we sort of overestimate? Even if it's say you go, okay, 2 million concurrent users, you quadruple that for contingency and ceiling so you don't have to scale on the fly. You've got headroom before you have to start pushing out more hardware and more bandwidth to solve this problem. Like, it's just outrageous that they got caught unawares by the demand of the fucking World Cup. Yeah. It happened at the... When they very remember when they they very first kicked off with in the Premier League, I think um, I, I got think four Liverpool. seconds of the first game. Yeah, I think it was, it was Liverpool uh, Liverpool game, and um, all the same stuff happened at that time. I can't believe it's happened again. And yeah, this is a, a, a mate of mine said today. This is 2012 Vodafone levels of brand damage for Optus. Remember when they where we were dishing out 4G contracts but couldn't uh, the the infrastructure didn't back up. The, uh, the promises and they had to basically let people break contracts back in 2012. It's the same kind of thing. Optus are having to give out mini fetch boxes. They're already sold out. They're already on waiting lists. Oh, boy. <laughs> and we haven't even gotten into the fact that the app isn't supported on all Android devices, yet it's available to download for all Android users. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We could probably squeeze an entire pot out of this and um, I can... I've got more, but we'll I move know, on. I know you've got more. I can see Chris starting to fall asleep. Over no, that. I was going to run a joke about it, but I won't. It's Go not, on. No, no. No, no. It's too serious for, yeah, for gags. Um, <laughs> in amongst all that, there was some football played um, by Australia and by France. Um, we lost 2-1. It was, as I said in the intro, a scrappy one, two penalties, an own goal that was over the line by about half a millimetre. Um, let's start with the probably the main talking point, the penalty. The VAR, Chriso, did you? Uh, how do you feel about it? <clears throat> you know, um, aggrieved. Um, it was as good a tackle as Josh could have put on in that in that situation. He, he got the ball. He kept his leg uh, the leg low. The ball ricocheted off Griezmann's shin, and Griezmann then happened to trip on the still lowered leg of Josh Risden, and then threw his arm up. The, the ref saw it. We saw it. That's fine. And VAR decided it was an obvious howler, obvious 
error that should have been rectified, and I find that difficult. But to, I to don't reconcile. think VAR made that call so much as they said, "Hey, we think there's something to look at here," and the ref made that call after reviewing it. I think that's the process. I've never seen one in my experience of VAR in the A League. Um, that's all mm. I've got. But have they yeah. ever gone over to the screen and decided, "No, nah, I'm cool with what I did initially"? I don't know if that's yeah. ever happened. Well, true. It's so opaque the process, though. You, it's I'm so used to AFL and cricket where you get the commentary, like the you know the the communication between yeah. the upstairs and downstairs as to what's going on. Everyone just sort of waits and goes, okay, well, he's probably, yeah, he's overturned it. That there doesn't, you go. it doesn't even, didn't for me warrant the ref having another look. Yeah. I, mm. I see, I, what I've been saying is I wouldn't have minded if it, if he'd given a pen, I would have been that's fine. But that he didn't give a pen and then it got overturned, I, I don't really, I'm not okay with that. I don't. When he, when he ran back to that screen, I was like, it's going to get overturned. Yeah. yeah the only reason he's going to have a look, like, He's he's had them in the earpiece, so maybe there's something you no, need but to look that, at here. And, 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 they, and he shut himself. Exactly right. They would have said, "You better have a look," because they look at thousands, you know, hundreds of incidents over a tournament or a league, and there's ones that you know, there's these things happen, and they they don't say anything to him. They don't say have a look. So they've had a look and go, "You better check this out." And the sentiment in my lounge room from all the lads that were over was. We're Australia. We're going to be the ones that get done yep. by VAR. That was first. the exact sentiment in this round. I think as well. I was. I think I was yelling. Of course, it was us. Yes, of course, he, it was he, us. Yeah, he literally was. It was like, of course, it had to be us. <laughs> it just had it's to like, be. Narratively, it just had to be. Nothing else could possibly like, have happened. It plagued our entire domestic football season, and now it reams us <laughs> on the biggest stage of them all. Yeah, thanks, guys. <laughs> it, was, it was gutting. It was gutting because. We'd been to good. That point, yeah, we were, I was just sitting there, just going, "Fucking hell, where does this come from?" I haven't yeah. seen this since it Inc. Australia. Yeah, well, I mean, it's uh, ideologically the complete opposite of what we got used to from Ange Postecoglou in um I, in those I, days. I actually thought about that about that ideological juxtaposition between Van Marwijk and Ange, and I don't. I think perhaps in a purely tactical sense that you can see that the obviously the way that um, Australia keep those very solid two banks of four, very compact. But I still think that. Bert still empowers the players much like Angie. He says, have a go. He this says, that- be brave. And that's a massive thing. Was Angie's yeah. philosophy was like, you have a crack. You're good enough. Instilling that belief. And I, I think that's been continu- continued by Bert. I, I think he's um, used, utilised that belief that Australia have had ingrained in them around their attacking ability. And he, he, he says to them, express yourselves. Be honest. Be yourself. I think that's he, slightly minimising what Angie's sort of... Uh, Angie was... <laughs> Ange was a lot more attack minded. He, uh, yeah, he, he would say, yeah. "You can, you can beat any midfield. Go and, yeah, and do that." We were not, we were not uh, taking France. Well, off. As I said, obviously in a purely tactical sense, there's a lot of differences. But I think from that philosophical sense around have a go, back yourself, be enough, it's express that, yourself. He still gives them that. Yeah, he's still mm. giving that. You belong on this pitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As much as the other yeah, eleven yeah. blokes on the other side of the line, and. We were as good as them on Saturday night. Yeah, I don't give a shit. Look yeah. at the difference between Pim Verbeek putting out a nominally a four-two-three-one against a German side mm. in the first game in 2010, and look at the the same against the World Powerhouse a four-two-three-one in in 2018. That you know we didn't cower. Yeah, we, Pim had lost the players P- in 2010. Though. P- P- the players were cow- went out there and cowered. They did not do that on Saturday. They went out there and they gave as good as they got, and everyone was right, really, really pleased with the performance. Um, but. I think we've got a more a lot more to give in an offensive sense. Yeah. Would you say, um, would you say, buds, that you're more likely? Like, I mean, when you're led by a guy like Mila Yednak, you're never going to cower in the face of anyone. Mm-hmm. I reckon that's fair to say. I, 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 I love Mila. When he took the penalty, you knew that ball was going it in was, the net. You just was, knew yeah. he, he gets it done every time. Minimum fuss. He does. He's a he's a he's a World Cup level captain. Yeah, and that was the probably the thing that. I was sitting there and there was a I was getting a feeling of euphoria watching this game because I'm like we actually look like a fucking World Cup team. Yeah. We actually we don't look out of place here because it was a bit of damage control where it was going to be like Yeah, well, I I called 4-1. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I said 4-0. Well, yeah. A lot of people, you know, leading up to this tournament have said, "Well, you know, look, Australia, it's not as good as past Australian sides, but you know, they might be able to get something on their day." That performance showed that in the players' minds, we're not here to make up numbers. Yeah, not absolutely at all. not. Um, I want Mila Yednak to be my dad, just quietly. Um, just on that penalty, though, do you think that the furor, like the you know, the, all the VAR stuff surrounding the first penalty, do you think it freaked the ref out? Because he looked almost terrified to make a decision. I thought he, you could see him, like the, the Aussie players were yelling at him, and you could almost see him shrinking away. 
it, look, it's a huge moment. It's an, an obviously human um, uh, reaction to, to do that. He, I think the ref was fine. He officiated it correctly in my idea. Yeah. He saw it. He had a good look at it. He had a good spot. He said, no, carry on. And then he probably, when he's put on the spot, yeah, he, he saw the review and, and thought that he had to change it. But this mm. is what VAR does. It mm. undermines the referee and their confidence and uh, I guess their clarity to make a decision with sort of as much confidence as you can have in a split-second decision. But since since that decision, is he then second-guessing himself beyond that? And oh, of course he is. And he can... It's, he didn't make... The, it wasn't an obviously wrong decision. That's a, yeah, He officiated was it, it correctly. Was there many... Was Did I get it? Right in my mind, that there wasn't too many French players remonstrating with the referee, like they, they, they not they not vociferously. Yeah, they no. weren't running after. No, him. no, no, not Gries, at all. Griezmann had his hands hand up. up. That's but, it. But the, I guess the person involved is always going to be the one who's going to remonstrate the most. The rest were kind of just standing uh, there, sort of going. A player, mm. I think, might have been, might have been killing Mbappe. Uh, had his hand in the air, but like not like that's carrying t- on. That's yeah. what you do. You yeah, put not, your hand yeah. up and go. Oh, they weren't. That's, ca- a, that's a big question mark. It's just, they an, appeal. Ca- it's just an appeal. They weren't carrying on. It was. It's tough to take. Yeah, they carried on in other ways, like falling over. Well, the and they wind. carried on playing when they had committed egregious red card offences. So I'm obviously I'm jumping ahead here, but that's real. That's stuck in my. You're talking about Umtiti with the Umtiti is a denied a clear goal scoring opportunity after Ramoy cross into Mila Yedinak back stick. He just punched it away. You, you... Only Josh Gibson clears balls with more verve than that in the <laughs> yeah. in the AFL. Like... Look, Look, our, our, our Lord and Saviour, Mike, could have been on two World Cup goals, one behind Cristiano Ronaldo in a golden boot. <laughs> yes, And indeed. I don't know how we stayed on the pitch, and we should have had that last uh, half hour for me with them with 10 men. Yep. Yeah, well, okay. Um, I, I thought, so the, what are you talking about? I'm not sure. I thought they changed the rule so that yeah, you I know. We had have this a chat. bloke sent off. For a penalty, I didn't know they changed the rule when you deliberately yeah. obstructed the ball with your hand yeah. to deny a clear goal scoring opportunity. I thought that was still a red card, but I could be look could be wrong. And there's people who know that not the, even a card though, not even a yellow no. for that. Is but that's yeah. So uh, you could be right. We did have that chat mm. Saturday, but I I'm um, furious about that. It was um. It, I, you got I got the feeling that we didn't get that because we're Australia. I, I thought so too. Yeah. Well, that's I, I kind of felt that all match. Do you reckon know? we did it? Do you reckon they, if Trent Sainsbury did that, he would be on the pitch? I reckon he'd, he'd be, be off. He'd be getting the we same get, same as what we didn't Har- get the fifty fifties. Mm. No, and it's it's no different to when Harry Kuehl got a red card against Ghana in twenty ten. He cleared a ball off the line with his hand, didn't he? That's how I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Goal scoring opportunity. Mm. Okay. Like him, did he? I'm just I'm not sure I'd necessarily call it a clear goal scoring opportunity. Uh, to be honest, I mean, watch the replay, Roots, because. Millet's there. It's going to fall onto his head at the back stick. You watch it. Yeah, I think that's a bit different to what a what a technical clear goal, goal scoring opportunity is called, though, isn't it? Isn't a clear goal yep. scoring opportunity when you're free on the last one? No, you, you are probably right, but yeah. I'm still very salty. That yeah. you didn't get a red. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah, a lot yeah. of salt. Here. A, I, I'm I'm of the opinion that nothing I'm, will ever convince me. Nothing will ever convince me that that should have been a penalty or that the ball was over the line. I don't care about your goal line technology. The ball was over the line. The ball was over the line. That's Shut fine. up, Chris. That was fine. Like, what are we going to do about that? Of course, My Gottmik is Chris Alloy. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I thought after five minutes that Matt Ryan had made three saves and I was like, oh, dear, it's happening. It's exactly what we thought. Matty Ryan always looked comfortable. He did. But he did have to, he had to, we had to use him three times in that, the first that five. That near post thought, oh, save was word. unreal. Yeah. Oh. Mm. Mm. Um, so that was concerning. But they, like, France, Jay just backed off from there. I thought they just were happy to let us have the ball. Mm. They didn't, they didn't really offer anything, I thought. After that first Changes quarter. of cowardice. <laughs> um, yeah, the surrender monkeys. Um, <laughs> the, um, the, I guess the back six of Australia really just, they absorbed pressure and didn't seem uh, unnecessarily fussed. Um, and gradually the boys grew into the game. And, um, you know, Aaron was able to, probably not as much as we'd like, um, you know, he, he was able to play some stuff vertically, but you know, Rogic wasn't able to get on the ball as much. But the few times he did, there were little glimpses. He just rode six. He, yeah, yeah. He, but it wasn't enough for me. Uh, they obviously we were highly on guard against what they... Um, you know, against they could the offer one bloke they'd but, heard of, yeah. but we could. We definitely were well in it, um, and definitely worth our clean sheet at half time. With you know, we'll, yep. we'll wrap with that performance. That was yep. brilliant. Yeah, we were thrilled at all thrilled, all thrilled at half time. Um, I think my favourite moment. I, I think it was in the first half, wasn't it? Maybe it was the second half where 
Andrew Nabu just went straight through the back of one of their defenders. Just <laughs> barrel-chested, yeah, yeah. get out of my way. Yeah, yeah. Drop the Dean, the, the old cork. Excellent stuff. Absolutely loved it. What did you call him last week, Mr. Lebanon? His father yeah. was Mr. Lebanon. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I reckon that's what he... I'm not sure, was it Kylian Mbappe? He did it too, or Usmane Dembele? When I said, my dad was Mr. Lebanon, who was yours. Like, <laughs> yeah. His dad won the bodybuilding. Yeah, my dad could definitely beat up your dad. And he's, he's still like, he's... You know, he had a quiet game. He worked hard, but he's got yeah. that ridiculous he's, frame. He's hench, as the Poms would yeah. say. Um, I thought France visibly worried every time Moy got on the ball in a set piece scenario, and I mean that's I mean that's where the penalty came from. Well, his um his delivery at set pieces is is in my opinion is is world class. So you know he he put balls into good areas and. And any defense is going to be trouble with those. And then you look at like what we've got there at set pieces, your likes of your Sainsbury's and your Miller, Yedinax, and even um Milligan as well can pop mm. up. It's it's enough to trouble any team, especially a team like France, where maybe their defense is a little bit delicate. They resort put yeah. under a bit of pressure. They resort yeah. to fists. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um thoughts on the on Bert's subs. So he brought on it was Urich for Naboot was the first one. And um, Arzani came on late mm-hmm. as well, and Rogic was off for Irvine. I liked all of. Um, I thought, yeah, look, well, Arzani didn't was on for five minutes and we only got on the ball a few times. Though, but the other two lads, Urich was really good. Yeah, um, and yeah, Jackson, I thought added some real energy too. I liked both of them. Thought they were good. Urich looked really good actually. Uh, he helped us a lot. Just that bit more of that uh, focal point he can be. Um, just changed it up a little bit. I was able to get on the ball at, at times. Um, I think Jackson drew a foul. I think well, no, was it Urich who drew a foul? Yeah. Um. That I think Van Marwalk was saying that that was a clear because he was clear through. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah, we looked. You know, we didn't for a moment look under the cosh late in game in the game or even the second half. We if anything we grew into it and yeah. uh, the, the subs added to it. They were um they were well done and they yeah. were, no, they weren't defensive subs. They were attacking subs. Yeah. Hmm. Illustrates the gaff, uh, golfing class between the sides, isn't it? That we bring on Tommy Urich and they just bring on all of Asian fruit. Yeah, yeah. The French Matt Simon. I think they um, <laughs> we, we we approach <laughs> yeah, we approach the second half better than they did, and, and yeah. in closing, I thought we were going to get the job done. And there was almost a sense that, and you saw it last night with Germany too against Mexico, that France were almost the opinion that they were just going to play their game and it was just going to happen. For yeah, them. it was just going to yeah. happen to them. They were going to go through the motions and. And it, probably, fuck, it fucking did in the end. <laughs> Pricks. It, un, unluckily, it did. And when when you looked at the, that slow motion replay of the Pogba finish, albeit a Bayer own goal yeah. now, you sat there and you just went, he's the only guy on pitch that could have just given it that deft touch like that. Yeah. Poor Matty Ryan. He wasn't wasn't out of position. He was off yeah. his line, but there's nothing he could do about yeah. that one. Well, you can't loop, blame no, loop, no, yeah. no, absolutely and, not. And it took, it took a... Part fluke, part. It was just very lucky that it went yeah. behind the we def- line. We defended that. that nice instance. touch from the French Matt Simon. In the that, well, it that, was, but we defended that instance pretty well. We had numbers there. We were fine. Yeah, we didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. It was just, yeah. But look, a shade of luck is what took France to beat Australia. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, and unluckily for us, we seem to be, we seem to be unlucky quite a bit. This yeah. uh, this nation of ours in the great game of uh, association football, football, uh, football. football. Um, now it just that result and that unlucky little uh, uh, thing that happened to us late in the game means this is a must win the mm. next one. Yeah, it so is. It's like it's just it's bad to think that it could be all over mm. by midweek. Yeah, let's not think of it that. It way. won't be. We'll, yeah. we'll get it won't through. Be. Yeah. Before we move on, um, man of the match, Clarky. Hmm? Who was your man of the match? Maybe Trent Sainsbury for yeah. me. Same, I mean, any same. one of the back four was was absolutely brilliant. But Sainsbury again, but, uh, I've said it before. He looked world class. Oh yeah. no, yeah. Sainsbury for me. I think he's gonna get picked up by a team in a decent league. Yeah, he's he's our next captain, isn't he? Sainsbury. Mm, you'd yeah. think so. Yeah, we, he was. Yeah, in the he was fantastic. But I, I found it hard. Maybe maybe Rogic and Abu weren't that prominent. Everyone else, they, they did their jobs, and I was. Yeah. Everyone watching, everyone listening who watched would be. Yeah, you, we're all super wrapped with the performance. Yeah. Let's be honest. Well, no one had a bad game. Nah, I, I might. Yeah, I'm, I was. I was thinking Melee Yednak just because the rest of the it team was great. The rest of the team just walks, you know, two or three inches taller yeah. when he's on the park. But they, they? It's hard to separate. Milligan was fantastic. Risden Beige, the job. Aaron Moy. It's yeah. hard. Risden looked a bit out of his depth. I thought he was excellent. Yeah, well, I didn't have an look, issue with him. He, he, a few got away with a few things, got caught out here and there, but I think grew into the game. Yeah. Second half, he was yep. he was much better. Fair enough. Both. I, mean, I, yeah. think, I think most of the boys did good. Lecky had a great game. Yeah. 
So. You know what you're getting with Lecky. Uh, he just running up lines, fighting. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Cruz made great runs yeah. and yep. did his defensive work. He's yeah, a exactly. whipping boy, but he's one who gets back and makes tackles too. Yeah. So. He does. He does defensive work that Dan Arzani would not. Um, all right, let's chat briefly about Peru nil, Denmark one. This was awfully tough on Peru. They were worth a point or more, but uh, unfortunately, when you take penalties as bad as Christian Cuevo's one, you just you ain't uh, gonna yeah you ain't gonna get anything. That was a stinker. It's still travelling, I think, on its way to bloody China. It's it's due to land in Lima in a, in a few hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be landing in Lima anytime soon if I was uh, Christian Quivo. Yeah, uh, yeah. Or, or if I was Casper Schmeichel. <laughs> yeah, well, geez, didn't he make some saves? It, he, for me, I Outrageous. was saying earlier to the boys, he was immense. Three top, three top yeah. shelf saves that yeah. won him the game. Like they, they were on, they were going to, they were, he was, a, he's yeah. amazing. He's a, he's an, he's like, he's a, an absolute world-class goalkeeper. It's remarkable to me that he goes under the radar considering his name is Schmeichel. Mm. Yeah, well, we, we uh, I think we mentioned last week when we were talking about where our goals are going to come from that our two in our two games, we've got two of the Premier League's best keepers to come up against. We've managed Lloris not too bad, but yeah, he's going to be hard, Schmeichel. And you do think in the terms of world-class keepers, he really does go under the radar. Mm. It was amazing. He, yeah, he was absolutely... But absolutely. he was getting peppered. He was getting. There was pepper. there was points in that game where Denmark couldn't get it out of their half. Yeah, it yeah. was it was it was ridiculous. That late Guerrero back here mm. oh, that oh. would have been special. Peru that would have been so special. Peru caused genuine problems. I think I've written down here there was uh, prancing about like gazelles with um, some sparkling interplay at times. And, yeah. Um. They they really looked. Uh, you know, Gareca has the they, they playing, looked, backing themselves, expressing themselves. They looked almost as good as their kit. How good is their kit? Yeah, the sash. I, I love a sash. Yeah. So I would have loved to have seen the goal celebration if uh, Guerrero scored that back. He'll run to the corner flag and, like, mime sipping some tea. Mmm, <laughs> 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 delicious. No, their kit is great, I'm telling you. Umbro, don't do bad kits. No. Never yeah. do bad kits. Um, Peru fans, by the way, are crazy. There's loads of them there. They've, it's their first World Cup for 30 years. People have been years. selling their houses. Yeah, I yeah, heard people that. People have been selling their houses, quitting their jobs, taking redundancies. One bloke pulled the Homer Simpson thing. <laughs> yes. where he, he legitimately put on 25 kilos because he'd read that there's um, oh, you get cheap tickets. Wide seats. Yeah, yeah. You can get like, disabled wide seats. For being disabled, like so obese you're considered disabled. So he put on twenty five uh, kegs. My role model in life has been uh, <laughs> yeah. has been found. Uh, his window to weight gain. <laughs> <laughs> fish sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> I just uh, that's just astounding. Um, ast- <laughs> astounding. He's hoping he gets call. through the whole World Cup without having a coronary. <laughs> well, yeah, Jesus. <laughs> um, so, I mean, Peru. They looked good. Denmark did not. They didn't impress me. Well, look, they um they the goal they took was well was really well done a nice um move uh, from transition the ball played out and um Christian Eriksen found himself in acres uh, of space yeah we're, we're, hopefully that doesn't happen with Australia good God no but um really well taken goal by your your boy Yusuf Polson mm-hmm. you're saying the Leipzig mm-hmm. winger um look they did. They didn't have the, the amount of chances uh, that Peru had but from what I've seen and I didn't watch the entire game but what I saw they they created probably other than that chance they had. There was another one in the second half. But, um, yeah, the Peru, even uh, Agi Haredi, I believe, said um, Peru were extremely stiff. Yeah. Because they were getting rinsed yeah. for large parts of it. All but, shattered but up. They, the game, they ripped Denmark open a few times. Yeah. So oh. The way in which they just took the ball and just, and like, like, either down the side or even directly through Flores, the middle of the puck, Carillo, they, just, they were just, just sliced them through, just glide past defenders like they're, they're training cones, and it was just... We can call them the galloping gazelles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they were tasting on the feasty grass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Until they're stopped in their tracks <laughs> next week by a big cat named Mulesian. <laughs> hope so. <laughs> it's uh, um, hopefully... like we, we, we were well in this. Well in this against Denmark. They... I, we can do this. Oh, I hope so. Um, VAR did. Oh, sorry, I hope so. And look, I guess we'll preview that game. What I wanted to point out with the next game after ours, VAR got used for that penalty, but it was actually used correctly. Yeah. In that instance, yeah, so on. that that was yeah. fine. And I think a lot of other the VAR decisions. Um, I don't think there's been a huge outcry around their usage. It's just us who got fucked over. Mm, of course. Poor old us. Of course it's us. Um. All right. I think it's uh that time. Is that episode. time? It's uh. Time for Chris Owen Buds's Russian Eye for the Western Spy. Thank you, Rudy. Well, this week, uh, last week we looked at 
at Vodka. But this week on Russian Eye for the Western Spy, we're taking a look at Russia's favourite diet, communism. Now, (laughs) (laughs) the workers have nothing to lose but their chains. They have a world to gain. Workers of the world, unite. These are the final words from The Communist Manifesto, a book written by German philosopher Karl Marx in 1848, which was the inspiration behind Soviet Russia. Whilst communism in Russia ended 30 years ago and Karl Marx died in 1883, his legacy still rustles the jimmies of conservative shitstains and neoliberal cowards to this day. <laughs> Buds, you've had a look at communism for us. I, I have. <laughs> I was. I was actually. I was going I wish into this. To distance myself from the. I was going into. Comment. I was going into this one with a bit of trepidation because yeah. I had a very large Saturday night and a very large Sunday morning, <laughs> and uh, I don't want to say anything out of place here, so I'm going to let you do the gags. I'm going to do some. What was wrong with my gags? They're beautiful. I, I just. Can't, I can't articulate them. I can't articulate the sentiment in the state I'm in. So. <laughs> suffering over here. Get around, buds. <laughs> Listeners, give him a hug. Give him a figuratively speaking uh, hug. The, I got too much inspiration from vodka. So, (laughs) communism. It's the economic and social system in which all property and resources are collectively owned by a classless society and not by individual citizens, a.k.a. everybody is equal, everybody's a piece of shit, and everyone's aware of that. (laughs) The term communism was first coined and developed in its modern definition by the French philosopher and writer Victor Dupay. In his 1777 book, Project de Communat Philosophie, Dupay pushes the philosophy of the Enlightenment to principles in which he lived most of his life. The book can be seen as the cornerstone of communist philosophy, and he defines this lifestyle as a commune and advises to share all economic material products between inhabitants in the commune, so all that may benefit from everyone's work. Many prominent public figures have been supporters of communism. Legendary painter Pablo Picasso, physics genius Albert Einstein, and sports journalist Rudy Edsel. (laughs) Modern communism in Soviet Russia. So what we're doing here for Russian Eye for the Western Spy is focusing on the rise of communism in Eastern Europe, and that rise had footprints in 1914. World War I uh, had begun, and Russia was at war with Germany. The working class and the peasants made up the Russian army, but they weren't well equipped to handle the battles. Fast forward to 1917, and Tsar Nicholas II was copying it from the Russian people for the war, for the uh, for commanding the army himself and the level of power that Rasputin held over the royal family. Food was scarce, political opposition was on his doorstep, and in February 1917, the revolution was definitely not televised. <laughs> During the Cold War in the 50s and 60s, the US government created propaganda which demonised communists and the Soviet Union. They also spent billions of dollars on military action attempting to crush their ideological enemies, tactics they have never resorted to again. <laughs> Slavs and Russians love their bread, and the lack of bread had the people in Russia riding in the streets. The Tsar commanded the military to open fire on the people, but many refused and a mutiny was held. The Tsarist autocracy was over, and a new government took over, the Bolshevik Revolution or the October Revolution. In stepped a young man, Vladimir Lenin, and the Bolsheviks, Marxist Russian Social Democratic Labour Party, who became the Communist Party of the Soviet Union. Vlad had a simple slogan that appealed to the people, peace, bread and land, and all power to the Soviets. The Bolsheviks, led by Lenin, launched the coup d'etat, storming the palace and put themselves in charge over the provisional government. On March the 3rd, 1918, the Bolsheviks signed the, trip of, uh, the Treaty of Brest-Livotsk with the then Central Powers of Europe that ended Russia's involvement in World War I. Of course, it only took one year of civil war to erupt, the Bolsheviks and the White Army. Some may say that the Russian people protested because of a lack of bread and ended up with even less bread and a different ideology. <laughs> Despite criticism, communism continues to be successful in modern times. China is an undisputed world superpower, and North Korea recently made Donald Trump their bitch. (laughs) (laughs) One of Lenin's starlets on his Bolshevik roster was a young Georgian man named Joseph Stalin. Lenin was a fan of his use of guerrilla warfare and ability to organize meetings, strikes, and his ruthless nature in robbing and stealing money from a bank to the sum of 250,000 rubles to fund the cause. In 1922, Stalin became the general secretary of the Triple CP. Lenin died in 1924, and it was assumed that Leon Trotsky would become the leader. Stalin had him exiled. 
Lenin was an atheist who espoused the Marxist view that the religion was the opium of the people, and he inspired an active campaign to confiscate church property. His successor, Joseph Stalin, demolished Moscow's biggest cathedral in 1931. In its place, he planned a public swimming pool, complete with a giant statue of Lenin. Stalin later ran out. <laughs> Stalin ran out of money for the project, but it was later built by Stalin's successor, Khrushchev. Stalin's grand vision for Russia was for it to become an industrial powerhouse, and he wanted it done rapidly, setting out three five-year plans from 1928 to 1938, involving coal, oil, steel, and electricity production. Workers who failed to achieve his lofty expectations were either executed or sent to the gulag. And there is a theme park in Lithuania which today gives attendees an authentic feel of the Soviet experience. Set in a Soviet-era bunker, it's called 1984 Survival Experience. Visitors are treated as though they were Lithuanian citizens under the control of communist Russian military. The dramatization starts with putting on a heavy, damp jacket. A German shepherd and ex-KGB officer bark orders at you as you enter your new Soviet paradise. Visitors, visitors are interrogated and propaganda is blasted through PA systems. And some people attending the park have fainted. Uh, this is a thing. You can check that out online. Um, what are we? Uh, we're nearly going to wrap this up, I reckon, buds. What have you? What's our last uh, communism fact we've got? Mm, my last one was probably. I was going to touch on the gulags, but it's probably a bit. Uh, <coughs> probably a bit. Um, more yeah. grim. <laughs> well, well, you can touch on it. Galazzo's got mixing gulags. Yeah. <laughs> well, we we wanted to go there. <laughs> Uh, Communist Russia was a major player in the Warsaw Treaty. The Helsinki Act, the Cuban Missile Crisis, launched the Sputnik into space, supported the North Vietnamese in the Vietnam War, all while extending its political influence in the Middle East and Africa, but also intervened in the Afghan War, resulting in the grain embargo of the USA and starting the Cold War. So that's it. Communism. Don't do it or we'll tell your mum. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll dob on That's you. you yeah. <laughs> we'll dob on you if you do communism. Like, yeah, I um, I just would like to make clear that none of the views espoused by Chris in that section are <laughs> 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 unnecessarily. It's okay, mine. comrade. It's, it's, it's okay. <laughs> Um, okay, that's a hard act to follow, but I think we should probably preview the upcoming game. So we play Denmark Thursday, ten p.m. Melbourne time. Um, I'm. Thrilled. I can't wait for this one. I think I think we've got Denmark on toast here, guys. We're going to win this two nil. We are going to win this two nil. They didn't. They, they they're gettable. You know, you got Aaron Moy there. The bloke mm. could uh, he's going to be picking passes. He's going to be finding Lecky. Lecky's going to be doing his thing. There's going to be there, space for him. It's going to be awesome. Closer to our, our collective level, with the exception of a couple, but they're closer to our collective level than France were. But they're still they're still better than us. But they get more gettable than, than France. Mm. Um, and. Ericsson, as he's shown with the winner, uh, setting up, streaming through the middle, unopposed. If you let him just, you know, pick up the ball in a fence and run thirty meters on the ball and and play Paulson through, yes, you might lose. So yeah, you got to play that that bank of. I don't think Peru weren't coming in with the two solid banks of four like we will be. So we'll pose an entirely different set of challenges for them. And I'm fucking up and about for it. I reckon yep. we can get the W. Yeah. What do you reckon, Clarky? No, I agree. I think we can win. Um. I didn't see anything from from Denmark there. Yeah, they had some large some periods where they where they looked all right, but it's nothing to fear there. Um, especially given the performance on the weekend. So, I reckon we can score two. I reckon they might score one. So two one. Um, obviously the key is keeping Ericsson quiet. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe someone like Luongo comes into the side, has a little bit more energy, can maybe just run for Rogic. Would you say maybe? I think uh, maybe it's slightly more defensive, but you know. Luongo's got a little bit of attack about him, but get him on there. Get him just in the pocket of Ericsson. Just follow him around, yeah, yeah. nipping at his heels. Don't give him any space. You give him space, yep. he's going to murder you. And so let's just try and take him out of the game, like France almost did with, with Rogic. I, I feel I agree with you. I think that uh, probably substituting Rogic, I like the lineup we had. I'd look at Luongo in that nominally a 10, but just give him that. Just give him, he, he's going to give you a, bit more t- a lot more two way. Than um than Tommy will so I think just a little bit of energy in those central areas just someone in a nominally attacking role who will just keep an eye on Ericsson. um yeah I'm up for that change but look I back Bert to to do what he thinks is right because obviously Rogic has got characteristics which no one else in the team has but um that's the only change I'd probably think about you Rich I still think give him half an hour um yep. at the end because he impressed me yep cool um what do you reckon about you think he might start with Daniel 
No. You no. Think th- I think, though, Daniel, half an hour, 20 minutes if needed. Um, if it, like We didn't talk about this, but um, we kept, obviously, when we're watching the game, I don't know, but your, your mates and you were always going, get Daniel on, get Daniel on. But I thought if the game stayed, I thought, like, uh, he only came on after they equal after they went in front. I don't think if the game was level, he would have brought him on. No, I don't think so. I think he would have brought on Cahill. I was just yeah. about to say, I think he should have brought on Cahill. And, before I would, him. and I think Cahill, if the game's in the balance late, I think and I think he will bring on Cahill. And I think Cahill would have come on if it was still one-one mm. against um, France. But I'd like to see us go for the game early. I'd like to see us work a, a really hit him on the counter a lot. Uh, I don't want us to. F- we need to put a lot of time into Ericsson, but that Sisto, that Sisto looks okay. Mm. Uh, they, they, don't have, they don't have a midfield that really scares or puts the you know puts the quivers in you about anything. So I feel like we'll probably line up the same. And um, I think while we didn't go for France, we'll go for them early. Yeah, I think we'll line up the same as well. There's been some talk again that Yednak might miss out. This is there was last week. Can't see it happening. He's too big a presence. I thought he. You know, and you could see when Yedinak kicked that goal, uh, the penalty. You know, he was just how up and about he was. Yeah. Like, you mean the world to him, and he's a he's a spiritual leader yeah. of the team as well as the on field leader. He is, he is it, like he. It is fair to say he's a liability with the ball at his feet. He can, but he can, he, he can, can he torture it. He kept he he was more than you know. He didn't. He maybe lost the ball a couple of times, but not in overly dangerous mm. areas for us. I think he limited his involvement with the football, and that's what he's a, he's a player without the ball yeah. that he's a key for us. Yeah. So happy to see. I, I was happy it, that he was went out there, and I'm happy for him I to start. I said it earlier. He the, the whole team walks taller with him there. Yeah. I think I think if you asked any team that to, that you were coming up, Australia was coming up against, they'd rather face a yet a Nicholas yeah version. And, and when you asked us last week, I think with all us three said, well. We can't just imagine us going out there without him. Mm. We're, we're, yeah. I don't think we'd be brave enough to say. Yeah, I think not. it was when, when we were thinking about going with the uh, Tommy Aaron Mass uh, three in the midfield. You'd sit there and go, "Oh, that's all right," that, but it's like, a, "Oh, that's a bit, it's a bit risque." Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I was happy. Happy with the happy with Millet. Happy yep. with Bert. Happy right. with the World Cup. So, what do we need with, out of France and Peru? We probably just want France to continue. We winning, just want France we? to win all three games. Yeah. So if they do that, Peru are, are done. And yeah, then that's what. But then yeah. they could be dangerous when done. I was watch, when I was watching them. Think they they got spirit. They're not going to even if they're done, yeah. they'll still be fucking hard. Yeah. Well, it's like last. I think last World Cup, Spain were done, and they, they, they yeah. did us hard for pride. So, yeah. For pride. Um, and Peru will have that too. So we just got to. We can't far, worry about it too much. But we have to get the win. Yeah. Um, a draw will still keep us in it, but the win. It's, yeah. it's all about the W. This yeah. one. It's all about the W. Yeah. We need one. Don't want to go. Uh, was it? We won one a game in South Africa. South Africa was yeah, South we, Africa won we won against Serbia. Serbia. Don't yeah. want to go two World Cups but, without a win. And the parallels between that tournament and this is that we remember we copped the four goals against the best side in the group first yeah. game. We didn't do that. We've copped. We're we're only we're third in the group right at the minute. Yeah, because we yeah. scored. Yeah, so yeah, we copped four goals and we had Timmy off with a red card. Yeah. So we need to just we need this W. Um, or yeah, we need this W or a, a draw, a point. If we don't get a point from this game, um. That's why well, I feel it's all over. But it is, yeah, it's all over. It is over. Another over. good thing is it's a beautiful time again. Thursday night, ten p.m. kickoff. Yes, thank you very much. Good for the punters. I mm. start. I start work late on Fridays. As well, Optus so. stream, stream should work by then. I know it's on. There. <laughs> I know it's on. Uh, it's on SBS. Mm. Okay, so I think that um, more or less wraps it up then, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, I didn't have time for my Saudi Arabia jokes. I'll bring them next week. Uh, <laughs> please don't. <laughs> tell um, me. Tell me off air. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Rudy Etzel is my name. I've hosted you tonight. You've been joined by Andrew Clark. Thank you, comrade. Buds. <laughs> Chris O. Thank you, comrades. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Spasiba.